This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Now, an in-depth look at the news and information shaping our community. This is Moose Talks with your host, Doug Craig, on Moose FM. Good morning and welcome to the first show of 2024. A little later on, we're going to be sitting down with Margaret Little from Save Our Northern Seniors to talk a bit about what their organization does and how local seniors have been faring over the past year. Like everybody, uh, dollars not stretching as far as it used to, so we'll dig into uh, what effect that's having on the senior community here in the North Peace. But first, you may have noticed it's been unseasonably warm i think is a generous way to put it and try this winter so far so to talk a bit about what's going on with the weather we're joined now by brian proctor with environment and climate change canada he's joining us from just outside of edmonton good morning to you brian good day sir thank you so much for making some time for us today uh so no problem if you can explain a bit what's happening with the weather here in the piece i mean up until basically new year's day it was really warm around here it's only in the past few days where the temperature seems to have dipped to more what we're used to up here yeah we've had a couple of really interesting phenomena occurring right through the fall into the uh, early part of the winter at this point so as uh, your viewers and listeners are well aware we've had drought conditions really severe moisture deficit conditions across much of british columbia Mm -hmm. really essentially focused upon the northeast through uh, from last spring right through the summer into the fall and really it's due to a couple of phenomena that have been occurring in the atmosphere one is we've seen a really strong el nino developing down in the pacific and that's flooded much of the northern pacific with really very warm air and the second phenomenon that's been going on is we've seen a very persistent upper ridge very strong upper ridge over basically much of british columbia at this point in time so what that's really impacted and how it's allowed things to evolve is normally this time of the year we often see those systems move from east to west and then acting in combination with arctic air settling down over the uh, the northeast portion of the province to produce more seasonally expected kind of weather you know windy conditions uh some snowfall from time to time oscillating of the arctic front back and forth things of that nature but what's happened this year really up until new year's is the el nino has been exceptionally strong and the upper ridge has been exceptionally strong. And those two factors acting in combination have really limited anything from penetrating into British Columbia at this point in time. We've seen some significant rainfall and some wind events on the outer coast, but not a lot getting into many portions of the interior and even portions of the inner south coast. So really, we've been in a block, if you want to put it that way. And with that El Nino there, we've had lots of warm air flooding up over the province and really not allowing that cold air that typically sort of develops up in the Yukon and uh, the NWT to settle southwards. So what's happened as we moved into the new year is that upper ridges began or begun to wane a little bit is probably the best way to look at it. So it's easing a touch and that's allowed some of that colder air to start settling down. And uh, we're looking at that today right now. If you take a look outside, we're seeing some of the flurry activity getting a bit more intense. We're probably going to bring the Arctic front closer to the Fort St. John area, move it down uh, through the late afternoon and evening, and give us some light snow through the overnight period tonight and continue that for much of the day on Saturday. So first sort of real significant Arctic frontal passage that we've seen. We're not looking for a ton of snow out of this situation, maybe sort of two to five centimeters out of it. 
and then generally just allowing that Arctic air to settle in a little bit deeper over top of us. And we're going to surge more Arctic air sort of midweek onwards in the coming work week. So if you look at our forecast today, highs of minus 12, tomorrow minus 17, Sunday minus 19, you know, a little bit of a respite on Monday perhaps, but Tuesday minus 23, Wednesday minus 29, Thursday minus 33. So I think your, your viewers and listeners can get the definite trend that we're seeing at this point in time. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing the weather forecast for me. Usually I'm doing it and I'm nowhere near as the experts. So, um, <laughs> Brian, if you could explain El Nino to me, because, you know, I think I have a bit of an understanding. We may all have heard the term before, but, you know, explain if you can what it is exactly and sort of how it is sort of defeating this upper ridge, as you say, and keeping the Arctic air that's normally already kind of in BC uh, from coming in up until, as you say, kind of like the last few days here. What, what is it about El Nino that's making that happen that way, I guess? Well, El Nino is really a connection between the sea surface temperatures and the atmosphere and how they link together and how they work together. So during El Nino events, we tend to see a lot of warm, wa warm air, warm water piling up in the equatorial Pacific areas and propagating northwards. So, if we think about what the ocean, what, what the Pacific Ocean is in particular and what the oceans are in general, they're huge storage devices for, for energy, if you want to put it that way, and heat. So the warmer they get, the more ability they have to impact the atmosphere and warm the atmosphere. And what that tends to do is it tends to really cause a high amplitude pattern in the atmospheric circulation further aloft as that warm air sort of builds and uh, moves northward over the Northeast Pacific. And so what that does is it really puts that, that upper ridge that I talked about in place, makes it stronger and deflects anything up over top of the upper ridge. So often during this kind of season or these kind of events, we see really cold air over Eastern portions of Asia. So China, portions of Russia, things of that nature. It's very cold air and it doesn't penetrate or move further to the east. It gets blocked by that ridge that sits and forms in place. And so really it limits the eastward and southward motion of cold air, dams it off to the wealth off to the west of uh, Western Canada and keeps everything much further to the north and east as well. So it's really like a big dome, if you want to put it that way, of stable, warm air that doesn't let a lot of uh, impulses track through it or ride over it. Mm -hmm. So why then is it still so dry, though? Because in my head, I'm like, well, then maybe we'd get rain instead of snow or, you know, that sort of thing because it's it's warmer. What is it about it that's causing less precipitation or it seems to be causing less precipitation in general or are the two kind of unrelated? Yeah. No, they are. They're definitely related. And what it's really due to there's a couple of sort of factors that we sometimes get a little bit confused when we think about them. So warm air can't can hold more moisture than cold air. That's a fact. Mm -hmm. But one of the things is this upper ridge and El Nino have caused really stable, stable conditions in the atmosphere, if I can put it that way. Mm -hmm. So what we need for precipitation is vertical motion. We need lift occur in the atmosphere. That's what helps uh, parcels cool or the air cool as it lifts and the, then it reaches condensation point and we see cloud form and precip start to develop. And what we're seeing with this is it's very stable. There's very little lift occurring in the atmosphere. So we're not getting that cloud formation and that precipitation formation processes occurring. And so really we have to get the stability out of the atmosphere to a large degree. And we're doing that by letting that upper ridge weaken a little bit at this point in time. 
which is allowing that cooler air to come in and also letting us get some lift associated with what's occurring in the atmosphere. Now, I think we've talked sort of anecdotally, uh, you know, about how outside of the norm things seem right now. When we actually look at the numbers of how much precipitation we would say normally have, uh, how cold it would normally be, how far outside of that have we actually been sitting? Is it more of a perception that it seems like it's actually been a lot warmer than it has been? Or when we look at kind of historical norms, has it been maybe closer to that than maybe we're sort of all talking like it is? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think probably I can give you some statistics for the area that really emphasize what the what the situation has been like. Yeah. Looking back over what we had back in for the annual year for 2023. So if I look at the Fort St. John Airport area, let me just see what I've got here for you. It was the warmest mean temperature on the full period of record for us. And the period of wow. record in Fort St. John goes back to 1927. Mm -hmm. So the mean temperature last year was 4.9. Typically it's 2.3. So 2.6 degrees to warm temperature anomaly. Mm -hmm. So it's really significant and it was widespread through much of Northeast BC. And then if I take a look at your precipitation, last year we recorded 315.2 millimeters at the Fort St. John Airport. Uh, 444.7 is normal, so 70% of normal. That's the fifth driest on the period of record going back to 1927. Wow. But if we just move a little out of your uh, area, Fort Nelson was the driest. We look at Chetwin. Chetwin was very, very dry, warmest and driest on the full period of record for them. So it was very dry and very warm, and those two factors acting together really drilled home the importance of what happened, and that's really why we had such an an adverse forest fire season last year. And if we don't start seeing a whole lot more snowpack, we're a lot likely to be in a better situation for either agriculture or wildfires moving into the spring. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that's going to be my next question to you, Brian. I mean, it, it certainly looks like we're in for what could be a really tough summer in terms of wildfires and farmers and all that kind of stuff. What are the weather patterns looking like? Is that an accurate assessment to say that this could be as bad as we all think it might be? I think there's real reason to be concerned about what the situation and how things are developing. Uh, you know, we've got this little bit of a, a downturn in temperatures and a little bit of precip coming in, but by the time we get through sort of 10 days at this point in time, we start seeing some of the models indicating warming getting back into the peace country. Mm -hmm. And that's really largely due to the fact it's due to is El Nino signature. So typically in El Nino's, British Columbia is above normal for temperatures. Mm -hmm. And precip is a little bit more of a, uh, a mixed signal, if you like. But oftentimes, under El Nino conditions, the northeast can be fairly dry. So we have concerns about this moving forward. Partners with the BC Wildfire Service and their advanced planning units are already uh, thinking about what things are going to do and how they need to be behaving. And it's having impacts even on things like, uh, you know, it could have impacts on hydroelectric power generation and things of that nature. And agriculture is definitely a, a real reason for concern. So there's, there's great reasons to be concerned. However, oftentimes we see our heaviest snowfalls in the area in that March and April time frame. And if we manage to get significant snowfall that portion of the season and get a slow melt after that, things will be much better moving forward. But there is reason for pessimism and there is reason to be concerned. All right. Well, we're going to hope for more of that snowfall then, definitely. Uh, one final question for you, Brian, just kind of in general, are we seeing kind of strange weather 
all over the place in like outside of BC or in general, has it been that BC and sort of the West coast has been a bit of a, an, uh, an outlier in terms of strange weather this year so far? Uh, I think probably the best thing to say is Western Canada yeah. has been warm and dry. Mm-hmm. Almost all of Western Canada with concerns associated with that. We think about the wildfire season. It was horrible in British Columbia. It was horrible in uh, portions of the Northwest Territories. Mm-hmm. Spottier in the Yukon, but it's still difficult. And Alberta had a really bad wildfire season to begin the year. Yeah. And it sort of eased a little bit as the season progressed. So it was bad everywhere. And much of Western Canada was some of the warmest on period of record. So even even into Saskatchewan, Manitoba, even portions of Alberta, often many of them were the warmest and driest or the top five of warmest and driest over the period of record. So very, very warm and dry and very, very concerning. All right, Brian. Well, I'm, I'm going to have to leave it there for now, but I really appreciate you taking a few minutes to chat with us about this today. Thank you so much. No problem. You guys have a good day. You too. That's Brian Proctor, with an, uh, a meteorologist with Environment Canada, or rather Environment and Climate Change Canada. We'll be right back to talk to Margaret Little with uh, Save Our Northern Seniors right after this on Moose Talks. Welcome back to the show. I'm Dub Craig. Now we're going to take a few minutes to talk a bit about seniors in our area. Uh, it's been a tough year for everybody, and I'm sure it was a tough year for seniors trying to live off of their old age benefits and all that good stuff. And so we're here to talk a bit about that with the president of Save Our Northern Seniors, a local advocacy group, Margaret Little. Margaret, welcome to Moose Talks. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Tell me a bit about what SUNS does, just to start us off. SUNS is a group of people that are dedicated in making a difference to the seniors in our community and providing opportunities for interaction with others. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we uh, started in 2005 officially, mm-hmm. but had been going a long time before that. Uh, there was a definite need in our community for f- more facilities. In 1999, my husband's mother was sent out of the area and his grandparents in the 50s were sent out of the area. And it was time to step up to the plate and make a difference for the people who live in our community. So we have a few things that we work on. We work on facilities in the third house at Peace Villa, which we desperately need. Mm -hmm. Uh, We talk about staffing levels and how do we retain and recruit people, and also transportation uh, opportunities for people in the community, both Handy Dart and with the buses and et cetera. And the best thing we can do is support people when they need it, support mm-hmm. with information. Were you kind of there at the ground level then, Margaret? Were you one of the founders? Yes, we yeah. were. I, I think in general, and we'll only take like a minute on this, but would you say you've seen things get better, stay the same, get worse for seniors kind of in your time at Sons? I would say that it is definitely uh, getting better. Mm-hmm. Are we there yet? No, no. <laughs> uh, but you have to keep going. You have to keep trying and bringing the issues forward to uh, the general population. And most importantly, having the ear of the government yeah. and getting them to make a difference in our community. Mm-hmm. Well, I can imagine that kind of the biggest challenge, at least recently, given the price of everything going up with inflation has been 
that, making sure everyone could still afford to live where they are and get fed and all that good stuff. Is is that one of the biggest challenges that kind of seniors are facing? I lately? would say so. At this point in time, we need more facilities. Yeah. And uh, I have I was asked to uh, be part of the leadership council for United Way at, because they didn't have any representative from representation from the northeast, mm-hmm. and it's been very eye opening uh, to see what what we have in our community already through the work of all the people that have that have come together to make a difference but we also have need to have a made in the peace plan for where we're going in the future and that's why i'm pushing for community tables where we can have people come together of all levels of of government of levels of the people in the community nonprofits and the people who live in the grass, who are in the grassroots that are actually experiencing the difficulties of today. The Salvation Army is swamped with the number of people that are going into uh, the food bank, and mm-hmm. many of them are seniors. Many seniors are really worried about losing their homes. The mortgages have gone up, and it's a, it's a vicious circle. Yeah. I mean, has there been any significant change to the the benefit seniors are receiving in no. response to the fact that inflation has been so high lately? No, there has not been a significant change to the benefits that seniors get. And if you are already on a low income, uh, it, it's even worse. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, talking a bit about facilities, um, I think you gave an interview uh, to Energetic City before the break, or we read about some of the things you presented yes. to the PRD. There is a wait list at every facility and a fairly significant wait list yes. for people to get into assisted living, yes. uh, like like dozens of people essentially yes. waiting. What are they doing in the meantime if you're on a wait list? Like what's kind of what's that in between area look like for somebody who knows they got to move out of their house or the situation they're in now into something where assisted living might be, you know, what they need? What's kind of happening to those seniors who are on that wait list? It's a very difficult time for them. It's it's stressful. Mm-hmm. They don't know what the future is going to hold for them. They don't have the money to go out and do things. The rent has, has increased substantially. Yeah. Um, and they're just living at home on the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. And uh, what Sons has been doing is advocating in every, every arena that we can uh, to get the third house here which the third house if you talk to northern health they can talk to you about the business plan and how it would alleviate some of the issues that people have mm-hmm. and what about the uh, the new facility that's set to be built on the site of the old hospital that was only recently kind of announced it was going to be across from the new hospital but that yeah. changed uh, yes. how do you feel about that is that going to help the situation I, yes it will help because there are a number of people who ha- who can't afford to go into a facility like the new one that's being going to be built mm-hmm. and that was a that was a piece that was missing in our community um it was posted on facebook uh, that it was it had the deal had been tentatively agreed to mm-hmm. and within 5 minutes i had four people phoning me and say how can i get on the list wow so there is a definite need for that mm-hmm. and the salvation army were as far as you know were they able to help were they able to fulfill the needs of the seniors who needed help with the food bank? They're items? trying the best they can. Yeah. But they, again, they're a nonprofit, and they and they have a lot of people to to uh, to help. Yeah. And w- sometimes when you go by Main Street, 
and you see the lineup of people waiting to get in. It is heartbreaking to yeah. see that. To see that, and we're really lucky that we have so many uh, groups in the community that are reaching out and helping people. Mm-hmm. Um, Sons is part of the Fort St. John Seniors Task Force that was started during COVID, and we've kept it going. Mm-hmm. And it's really amazing what we have in our community. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're in one of the most affordable places to live in the province. So imagine yes. what it's like for seniors yeah. in other places. Um, what do you think is the best approach to solving, alleviating this sort of situation? Is it the government needs to give more money and benefits or is it there has to be more housing or is it both? Like, what do you think is is sort of the better approach? I believe it's both. Yeah. Number one, the government has to step up and 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 uh, approve the third house at Peace Villa, mm-hmm. which would alleviate the the wait times. We have a number of people in our hospital right now. We have a number of people in uh, on the community wait list that need to go into some sort of assisted living, uh, f- the ability to be able to get into something. Yeah. And yet. Some people are also having to go away to other communities where there are there may be spaces. The problem is, is all over the province, uh, there are wait lists. Mm-hmm. And many people are wanting to come back to Fort St. John because they have family here. Mm-hmm. So they maybe went somewhere else yes. and are waiting there too. So is And the second part of yeah. your question? Yeah. Uh, I think that the best thing we can do is... I was really pleased to see the the regional growth growth uh, plan strategy coming forward mm-hmm. because I think that's the place to start is so that we can get people together in the same room. I know what I believe what I want people for people to have, yeah. but my ideas might not be the same as what yours would be. Mm-hmm. So having the opportunity for people to participate in some kind of a community forum or a community table, whatever you want, handle you want to put on it, uh, is important. Finding out what we need in the community. Mm-hmm. And the Fort St. John City has done housing housing uh, reports before. In fact, I was involved in one of the one of the ones that they did do, and it was quite it was very comprehensive and well done. And we need to have we need to update that and find better strategies. Mm-hmm. Now, kind of a final question for you. Uh, I guess it's two parts. Do you have a sense of how many spaces would be ideal if the government came out tomorrow and said, we're building this many assisted living units? What's that number? What's the number you'd be looking for in an ideal world? I haven't really thought about that as what we would need for sure. But I do know the day that Peace Villa opened, it was full and it had a waiting list. And that was in 2012. Wow. And so that gives you an indication as to what the need is in our community. You have to understand as well that the people in our community are aging, and we want to age in place. Mm -hmm. And to age in place, we need to have supports, like transportation with handy dart and the buses. The buses have drop-down steps, Mm -hmm. which is really wonderful. Uh, But we need more of those, and we need the facility like Handy Dart to be able to take people out at night and on Saturdays and Sundays. They do do Saturdays, but Sundays they don't. Mm -hmm. So more transportation, more more housing, helping people to age at home would also help to alleviate some of the issues of the, the... the wait lists. Yeah, so people had the support to just stay where they are. That That's would right. also help. And I'm sh- I'm 
99% sure that if you asked anybody what they would want, they would like to stay in their own home, Mm -hmm. but they need supports. I know my parents needed support. Jim's mom needed support. Um, We were lucky. We were able to work around it and, and get as much as we could. But there are a lot of people that don't have that family network. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that's where SUNS comes in, yeah. providing information. Uh, if we have a motto, if we don't know, ask us. If we don't know, we'll find out. Hmm. Well, there you go. All right. Well, Margaret, if, if someone's listening to this now and they have questions and yes. they, they want to reach out or they have a situation with maybe their aging parents or they're, they're, they are themselves are you know, experiencing some of these troubles and they want to reach out and say, what can I do? How can I help? What's the best way to kind of get a hold of you to do that? The best way would be through our email. Mm-hmm. And that way I can, if they say what their issue is or what, they're, what they would like to know, then I can respond to that. And our email is makino35 at gmail.com. Makino is M-A-C-K-E-N-O 35, mm-hmm. all lowercase letters, at gmail.com. Yeah, and I did notice you also have a Facebook page and a website as well oh, that yes. kind of brings you, can also find uh, that yeah. email address if you just missed it just now. So yeah, That's correct, and I'd like to mention the Fort St. John Senior Support Network on Facebook. Not everybody uses Facebook, mm-hmm. but there's enough people that do that can be pa- the information can be passed along. Absolutely. All right, Margaret, we're going to have to leave it there for now, but I really appreciate you coming out to talk to us about this today, and we'll have you on again in the near future to talk more, okay? Thank you very much. Thank you. That's uh, Margaret Little, the president of Save Our Northern Seniors or Sons. Our thanks to Brian Proctor and Margaret Little for stopping by today. If you'd like to hear this episode again, or if you'd like to hear an old episode of Moose Talks, you can make sure to check out the energeticcity.ca podcast page. You'll find past episodes of this show there, along with episodes of Secrets of the North, our true crime podcast all about Northeast BC, and Before the Peace, all about uh, the Indigenous experience in Northeast BC. All the episodes, old episodes and new, are archived there for your pleasure. Again, that's energeticcity.ca slash podcast, or you can subscribe anywhere. You get your podcasts. That's our show for today. Jordan Prentice and Trey Lopashinsky are the producers of Moose Talks. I'm Dub Craig. Be well. Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.